Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers with Faster Skier. We're back from my living room after a long near month of near daily podcasts from Beijing. Devin and I are here to break down the weekend of racing on the World Cup in Lottie. We have a special guest this week in Sammy Yawyervi, a Finnish legend who has some great intel on some of the performances we've seen from Finnish athletes both this weekend and at the Olympics. We'll be back in a minute. This episode of The Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by New Moon Ski and Bike, located in beautiful Hayward, Wisconsin's picturesque North Woods region, which borders Michigan's Upper Peninsula and is home to the country's largest cross-country ski race, the American Berkebiner. The Berkey has over 100 kilometers of cross-country ski trails that stretch from Cable, Wisconsin to Hayward. Some have named the trail as the number one cross-country ski destination in the entire United States. The trails are groomed and maintained for both skate and classic skiing, or ditch the skis altogether and go fat biking instead. Hayward boasts more than 50 miles of groomed fat bike trails to choose from. New Moon has ski and fat bike rentals available with experts ready for waxing and repair services. Berkebiner Week starts February 23rd and runs through February 27th, 2022. New Moon is fully stocked with everything you'll need Berkey Week and beyond. They're the area's premier shop for skis, snowshoes, and fat bikes, offering store-wide discounts, expert fitting, and outstanding customer service. When in Hayward, look for them on Highway 63 in the Big Log Chalet, or check them out online at newmoonski.com. We also want to take a minute to encourage listeners to consider a voluntary subscription to Faster Skier. This work doesn't do itself. It takes time, money, and effort to produce all the work that you see on the Faster Skier website. So check out fasterskier.com support if you're considering this. It's worth it, and it helps if you want to continue being able to read about your favorite athletes on FasterSkier.com and hopefully to listen to your favorite podcast, this one. World Juniors are this week. Lots of really exciting stuff happening there, and I was supposed to be there, and I wasn't able to. So I was thinking, we, we have a really exciting guest coming on the show, uh, uh, Finnish, a Finnish hero, Sammy Yahuyarvi, Olympic champion in 2014. Um and it'll be great to get his perspective. He works in TV. He works as a commentator for TV uh, in cross-country skiing, and he's that's kind of his jam. So he'll he'll he should he should offer some great insights from the weekend in Lottie. And I, the weekend in Lottie. <laughs> before we get into World Juniors, like the weather. Hello, Lottie was sunny and beautiful and perfect tracks. I'm like, man, oh man, where was that? For the 17 years in a row I raced there. So uh looked like a great weekend of racing in Lottie and the it'll be crowds, great to have like, yeah crowds everywhere. I mean it, it's gonna be I even um Yeto was in the crowd too saw him he's still kicking it so um legends club so it'll be good to get the it'll be good to get the some insight from Sammy who is on the ground and, and really involved still but I thought we could throw some light at the future superstars of the sport and those that are used to me kind of going off on performances and stuff when it comes to juniors it's all positive vibes here and we're going to focus we're going to focus on the north americans race by race and we'll just go it super quick because i don't have obviously i don't know a lot of them well or i don't know the americans at all uh this this crop of kids and the canadians i know a little bit but um so i just thought we'd just highlight some maybe not even go race by race but just highlight some great great races that i thought were caught my eye 
So first, first we'll start with like the 15 K skate mass start, which is the first race of the championships, pretty tough for the juniors to start the championship with the longest race. The women do 15 K and the men do 30 and that's not normal. Usually they start with the sprint or, or, or the shorter distances so that they started with a longer one. It was a compressed schedule because to move it to Ligna, they, they really had to compress the schedule and there's a lot of pushback. People are really pissed that the under 23 category only had one distance race. It's also just like uh, having covered World Juniors, it's already a compressed schedule. It's like, you know, 12 races or 18 races in like <laughs> it feels five like days. And, exactly. and you've got like two pursuit races on the same day where they're racing waxing classic and skate skis. Like it's nuts. Yeah. So they tried to change all this because this was crazy. And in doing so, one of the individual distance races for the under 23 category got canned because they put in a mixed relay. And that got a lot of blowback. And I, I agree with the blowback. I think it's, I think it's ridiculous. If you're going to have an under 23 world championship, you need to have a distance race in classic and a distance race in skate period. Like that's, that's the minimum world juniors. That's what it is. They took the suit out some years ago because of what you just described, that it was just crazy bananas. And now it's just a, back to a distance race, classic, a, a distance race skate. And then every year the, the, the length changes. Same with the sprint. Um, so yeah, I, I have my own feelings with under 23s completely. I think it's a great development tool. I think it's really sad that it's a watered down field every single year. And that's a challenge and that's a problem with the event. But I also understand if you're, if you're one of the best skiers in the world, if you're a Frida Carlson or, or a couple of years ago, and Ebba Anderson actually showed up and took the gold medal. But regardless, like the top under 23 men and women are on the World Cup. They're not, they're not coming back for the championship, which is... It's a bit too bad, but it's also a great development tour for the next best. And, and you know, cross-country skiing, not everyone is a Frieda Carlson that that uh, wins medals at the senior championship. As a junior, you know, a lot of people take time to develop. So um, it still has a lot of merit, I think. I just, I'd like to see both both techniques represented in the distance races. But getting right into it, first race, juniors, 15K skate, mass start. Man, the American women, like, what? <laughs> it's just like the pipeline like brian fish is just like boom 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 he's just he's just running a show that is producing this club system that chris freeman was talking about that is so strong around the whole u.s and sydney palmer lager sixth place man right in the mix that was a great result and i i wanted to highlight that as well and they had two in the top 12 with samantha smith in 11th but um especially sydney 19 seconds from the lead and getting the updates from the people that were there. Like I said, I was supposed to be there. She's last year, junior. What a way to go out. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was phenomenal skiing. I really did. And the Canadians, Jasmine Lyons, you know, the Canadians had a rough go last year. There's no races for the juniors whatsoever. All races were canceled. So it's just incredible to see some of these young names that just have not raced really in a full season and come out and, and throw down. So Jasmine Lyons, uh, from Ottawa area, Nakatuck Ski Club, biggest club, one of the biggest clubs in Canada. She came 17th, which I thought was a great performance as well. And Jasmine Drolet, I know she was disappointed, but 20th is never something to sneer at, and she had better things to come. So those were those were some of the highlights. Liliane Gagnon, who's been in at the World Juniors quite a few times for Canada, um, good to see her in the points in the longer distance races. She's more known for for shorter stuff, and and she finished 24th. So we're we're gonna just kind of stick to that. I thought I thought that was great. I, th I think to have North Americans all over the all over the top 30 is really impressive. 
I also thought it was cool that Helen Hoffman of Germany takes the gold. So like most years, and like we've talked about Matt, Germany's just kind of like a world junior winning machine. Like they have so many world junior gold medalists. And if Helen Hoffman can do anything like Victoria Carl did at the Olympics, <laughs> who is also a world junior gold medalist from Germany, um, Schlick and Ryder is going to be doing some pretty sick dance moves in, in the championships to come if he keeps his job there. Anything yeah. to add? Uh, no, uh, other, other than just to sort of reiterate that, like, you know, this isn't one U S junior in the top 10 and then like nobody else in the top 50, it's like, you know, four or five, six junior women from North America, like mixed in here in the top 30. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't really, aside from Sydney Palmer, Leger, Leger, um, I don't really know any of these names, uh, not like a avid student of, uh, us junior racing unfortunately at this point so that's all i got but you know what it probably shouldn't we probably shouldn't be and i think that's what's great about juniors i think all the junior racers that are over there in europe getting this experience it's it's just such a life-changing experience to race internationally and you know some of these skiers will be the names of the future some of these skiers will be the names like the jesse diggins in the future or well jesse diggins is the best that ever lived for for the u.s so that's uh that's a bit of pressure to put that kind of statement on it but some of them will be representing the u.s national team for the next 10 15 years same with the canadians so that's exciting but some others will will go to school or or do something else and this will be like uh, a life-changing moment to race internationally meet some people from around the world and, and that'll shape who they are for, for what they decide to go on next. So I think that's why I think it's really important not to pile on pressure for, for people at totally different stages of development and also just totally different goals with what they, what they want to do. But what an opportunity to race world juniors at in the birthplace of skiing in Norway under great conditions. Like that's the dream. Like my world juniors, Nat, <laughs> Slovakia, Poland, and the black forest of Germany, like, it ain't way, Norway, baby. It's it's way better than minus 15, minus 20 Celsius in uh, Beijing, freezing your ass off with, uh, totally. you know, aggressive COVID prevention protocols. Uh, not really, sort of, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. So I thought, uh, I thought I was, uh, yeah. So it's fun to follow along. And like I said, I've worked at World Juniors for Canada a few times. And I just the championship of the energy. I also love seeing staff that come from a multitude of clubs. That's what people don't understand. They maybe are listening to the podcast. They don't really understand like the world cup. These guys are all professional, all the waxers and this coaches and the whole machinery is, is as pros it gets as it should be. It's the sharp end of the sport, but at world juniors, man, like we've got club coaches. We got like waxers that have never worked together, never met each other. Well, they met each other probably, but they, but they don't have a great relationship with them. There's racing every day, like you said, Nat. People have, the staff have no idea what these junior ski bags are like. So no one has any control over equipment. It's uh, it's a real, I'm going to call it, it's a shit show, honestly, to work at it. But it's a lot of fun. And the fact that that these people volunteer their time to also come out and support these kids, awesome stuff. I, I, w- I would, uh, I would, a couple of plugs here really quickly. Um, Steve Fuller, I believe he's at Flying Point on Instagram, has been, uh, he's, he's a, kind of former friend neighbor from Maine who's making some awesome photos from uh world juniors if if folks haven't seen those like and he's he had like a time lapse yesterday of folks inside like the U.S. wax cabin which was like 
pretty fun to see. I I personally have got like uh, I think at least like three Alaskan neighbors on that uh, on that American Wax crew. My buddies uh, Anson Moxness, Jack Novak, and uh, Greta Anderson, who's one of the, the I think she's the new U.S. Ski Team development coach. So um, just cool cool to see those guys getting drafted into that job for sure but you know folks didn't tune in to hear about my my neighbors here so i don't know but i think no but i think it really highlights that you have like a i mean the u.s ski community is robust and it's been better and better over the last decades but i think it is really cool and it highlights that you have these people that are really passionate are are the team behind the team like we don't get the jesse diggins or the keegan randalls uh without without a great support system also at the junior level races and giving these kids all the opportunity they can to to perform well. So the women, the junior women's race, I thought was super exciting. Mass starts always are, uh, like you said, great results and great racing by, by the North American men and um, women, which we just covered. Now we're going to go to the men 30 K got to watch the clock because Sammy's coming. And, you know, these people from, well, you know, Finland, uh, they're not known for like smiling and joking around unless they're in a sauna about a three quarters of a bottle of vodka deep. So we're going to try and not waste Sammy's time. That's not our forte. Our forte is wasting time. So, so I'll try and get through this. Here's the, here's what you need to know about the 30 K skate first race of world juniors for the men. Russia dominated <laughs> so hard. Two dudes named a- Nikita and an yeah. Alexander and another guy. <laughs> exactly. A- Alexander Ivshkin Ivshkin has won world juniors last year. And he came in and he repeated this year as well stomping the competition in the mass start by eight seconds but everyone the three guys the three russians uh they skied away from the field and poor nikita rodinov rodinov uh he was fourth but he was a minute adrift so it just shows the highlight and the depth of the russian skiers both on the on the senior level that we saw in beijing but on the junior level this reminds me of the bolshinov yakamushkin chervatkin spits off era when they went one, two, three, four at world juniors. And sometimes they do that. And this was a, this was a beat down of epic proportions. That said, gotta throw some shade on can not shade, like some light. Xavier McKeever. Uh, he, he is from Nordic royalty in, in cross skiing. His mom was a teammate of mine, Milan Terrio. We raced the Olympics in 2006 together and his dad, Robin McKeever was an Olympian in 1998. And now is the head coach of the Paralympic team that are in Beijing as we speak, getting ready for, for the years or the quadrennials highlight there. So Xavier McKeever, fifth place. He's a junior next year. His last year junior will take place in Whistler for the world juniors in Canada next year, which is just so rad, but what a great race by Zav last year, you know, didn't race all year, had huge pressure and expectations on him, on his shoulders because he took a medal in the relay in Germany a couple of years ago as a 17 year old and also skied into the top 20 as a 17 year old. So everyone is expecting big things last year. Didn't go his way. And this year he threw down big time. Tom Steven, my boy, Tom seventh. He was in that pack. He was in that pack, that chase, that chase group from fourth to seventh. Although the Russian uh, Nikita Rodionov took off on these guys a little bit before the little uh, in seventh, so it didn't have the didn't have the firepower in the sprint. But I I will say, yeah, there's four Russians, but there's two Canadians in the top ten, and one Norwegian, which is huge. But there was also an American in the top ten, Michael Earnhardt. Great race by him. Awesome. It's just a, awesome stuff. Think about that. Three North Americans in the top ten. There's a huge day for North American skiing. Also, then you had this other pack. We had six North Americans in the top 20. 
with Brian Bushy in, in 16th. Great last name, by the way. And <laughs> Derek Dooling from just across uh, the border from you guys. He's yeah, he, from the Yukon. He, I believe he goes to UAA and came out for some pond hockey last year. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Place. Yeah, he, he does go to UAA. Um, Tron Flagstad coaching him over there. And then Sasha Masson, who also comes from cross-country royalty, but you got to go back into the early 90s with his parents, Lucy Steele and Elaine Masson, both Canadian Olympians in cross-country skiing. He was 18th. So it was a, it was a, great, it was a great day for, for the North American men in the 30K. And it was what a way to open the championship. No doubt. So then there were uh, relay races after that. Do I have that right? Yeah. Relay races after that. And it was a barn burner of a relay for the junior relay uh, four times 3.3 K for the, for the women and Norway wins by a hair wins by 0.1 in a lunge, some horrible lunges. Like, I don't know if you saw the finishing photo of that. It was, (laughs) they've got some work to do, Uh, but uh, Norway takes that Russia second. But I think the the real story of the day was the United States. I think, I think fifth place and they have become so stable in both genders in the relay over the last five years at world juniors. It's actually, I'm not going to use the adjective flabbergasting, but it's, it's fantastic. It's fantastic how stable they are. And they just keep coming up with these, with these great uh, relay performances. So fifth place by them, which was fantastic. And then Canada, I thought Canada did a great job to come seven. Uh, Jasmine won the first leg. Jasmine Drolet, Remy Drolet's uh, sister. That's a familiar name in, in uh, development skiing in Canada. But Jasmine Drolet, she goes to Dartmouth. Um, and Re- Remy goes to Harvard, takes theoretical physics at Harvard. So this is a uh, pretty chill family. I think they're just super chill. Like just what's the point, right? Like just set the sails, check out the, check out the spinnaker and just go downwind and chill. So that's, you're going to Dartmouth and Harvard and skiing at a high level, but no, Jasmine won the first leg of the relay it was awesome. So um, great stuff with the women's relay and the men's relay. I guess this is the big story. Hey, this is big. Like what is up with the U S man? There's two things I recognize with the US, okay? They constantly medal at the relay. Like they're always on the podium now in the relay, which is just like out of control, awesome. And the other thing is like Will Coke, who is also the true, like that's like Alex Harvey level royalty, you know? Uh, his dad, Bill Coke, invented skiing and won the overall World Cup in 1982, I think. And yeah, it? only U.S., 81. only American to ever win an Olympic medal for about 40 years. Yeah, exactly. In 1976, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, Will Coke is his son. And I've had some pretty horrendous hair going in a headband in my day. Um, we got some amazing looks from the likes of Ben Ogden. But Will Coke's look... <laughs> that's something else so you gotta love that um keeping that new england spirit just so alive and anchored them to a bronze medal awesome stuff and the canadians you know it's always this is always the big one canada versus the u.s like who cares what the actual happened in the international relay like canada versus the u.s and in, in cross-country ski relays is, is kind of the big one and the u.s had our number got on the podium but the men were fourth which is heartbreaking in a lot of ways but such a beautiful performance second best ever relay for the canadian men at world juniors the likes this is going back in the days with alex harvey and frederick touche that were all over the well alex was all over the podium but frederick touche was top 12 in a number of races at world juniors so we had really strong teams in those years but had no chance to put things together and and uh, this, this canadian contingent to come forth was awesome so yeah good stuff good stuff boys 
we're gonna have to really go for it. Yeah, we're gonna have to really breeze through this because Sammy's yeah, gonna join us quick. Yeah, but um, 10k classic, um, you know, Swiss. Really cool to see Anya Weber win for uh, for Switzerland in the t- in the in the 5k classic. Sorry for women. I thought that was really cool. Uh, oh, it's oh, sorry, 10k classic. Now we're into the under 23. So God. Yeah. You know what? You know what I'm gonna say. This is gonna be harsh. For the people listening at home, under 23s, I hate to say it. I don't care. I, yeah. I really don't. Like, if you got yeah. on the podium, it's awesome. I'm going to say one thing about the under 23s. There is Leo Grandbois, who is a Canadian, who is a world youth biathlon medalist, switched to cross country. How is that possible? Like, biathlon is so much cooler, so much more exciting, such a better run organization. But Leo decided that. He saw the guys at the, the the training center in Quebec. They have so much fun together that he's like, no, I want a part of this. The guy switched to biathlon a couple, from biathlon to cross country a couple of years ago. And he was top 10 in a classic race in the 15 K classic. That's crazy. If it was a, if it was a 15 K skate, I'd be like, yeah, you know what? That's cool. But in classic man, hats off to him. That was an amazing, amazing result. So that's what I'll say about the uh, under 23 races. I'm not even going to, go into any of the other ones honestly i just i'm sorry that i don't care but we're pressed for time and we'll see you on the world cup you're seniors and i can i can be like that with seniors i i can i don't feel bad you not got anything to add there nope nope i think that's uh that's all good um if 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 only we all had talent to you know drop uh drop out of biathlon and get top 10 in classic races at u23s that'd be great but it's uh you know your last name has to be Grombois to be able to do yeah. that. Yeah, the big wood, baby. Big wood. That's the direct translation. And he he showed some of that by coming top 10. Um, junior, junior 5K. This is a family podcast, Nat. This is a family podcast. Uh Neprieva wins. Not a surprise, but it's not Natalia Neprieva that was second today in the 10K classic in Lati is her younger sister, Daria Neprieva. Um, Russia goes one, two which is, I mean, they just dominated this championship too, man. They really did. But uh, Jasmine Jorlet, Dartmouth freshman, comes in eighth, eighth place for Canada. So we got another top 10 there. And it was a tougher day for the American junior women. Uh, it was with uh, Sydney being the best in, in 19th. But still, world juniors, I think they should hold their heads up high. It's uh, a lot of great racing. And Jasmine Leon's coming 26, so into the points there. So some pretty cool racing, but it was really great to see Jasmine. This is her last year junior. She's been so promising and, and to ski into the top 10 like that after winning the first leg of the relay, I thought, I thought uh, it was a nice way to end world juniors for her. So 10 K classic. Zavi. Yeah. Russia wins again. Oh God. Russia just keeps on winning. All they do is win. Hey, our world juniors. So I'm not even going to try and pronounce the guy's name, but <laughs> so Oh, there's Sammy. Maybe he can help us with the pronunciation. Well, I, anyways, I butchered it, but Korostelev wins, uh, wins gold. And Alexander Ivshkin comes third. And a Finn, as Sammy, who's Finnish, could... And there's Sammy. Um, we're just talking about World Juniors, the World Junior 10K Classic, Sammy. Good to see you. Hear ya. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you, Dylan. Good to hear your voice. <laughs> Hey, there he is. Hey, good to see you. Here I am. Hey. 
we're uh, we're going to get off this, but I was just trying to, we were just trying to recap some world juniors and a uh, big race by the big man. How tall is Nico Antola? Cause he looked crazy tall. I guess some 185 maybe. Okay. He just looks so I big. Check all the other you. juniors. <laughs> Cause like all those juniors look so small, but he is so tall. He looked like Len Valius out there. <laughs> Not just tall. But a uh, great race by him to come, to come second at world juniors. That was cool. So Finland's got, uh, you know, classic. It's a big deal. We're talking with one of Finland's best classic skiers ever. So it's not surprising that they're still winning medals at, at World Juniors. Yeah, and they got gold also. Uh, Arsi Ruskan won the U23 15K. Yeah, that's right. What a, just like, what a crazy, what a crazy, it's a classic nation. What can you say? It's, uh, it's cool to see. Yeah, we have the cold condition, so we also always need to, a ski classic because there is no glide for skating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Nat, Nat, who's on the on this right now, like uh, who's actually like the brains behind all this. He's uh, he's from Alaska, so he knows all about those cold conditions. I just spent uh, three weeks in Beijing where the skis don't seem to glide at all. So now I'm a true expert. Yeah, no, but they, they what, yeah, for sure. I think the what I wanted to bust Sammy's balls about is he's talking about classic and, and Sammy is so good in classic throughout his world cup career. But when I was a junior getting the floor wiped with me by Sammy Yahoo Yarvi, because we're the same age, Sammy Yahoo Yarvi is the 30 K skate world junior champion. I'll have, you know, so that, that's, <laughs> <laughs> so it's, the, it's not just, it's well, not just classic. It's although, a weird world. It's a weird world. That was a, when you look back on your career, Sammy, and you, and you a 30k skate gold medal at World Juniors has got to be like that's got to be a shocker. That, you know, if that came up in like Finnish Jeopardy, I don't think anyone would be able to guess that one. <laughs> it might be like that. Yeah, because yeah. I was mostly known by classic skiing. Yeah, exactly. But um, maybe you want to introduce Sammy a bit, Nat. It's great to have him on. Yeah. Um... I mean, so as a as as a uh, early 2010s um, faster skier journalist, I feel like I actually reported on many of Sammy's exploits. And um, Sammy was was one of Finland's preeminent World Cup skiers of of the 2010s and maybe the 2000s. And um, I believe has an Olympic gold medal in uh the team sprint from Sochi, if I'm recalling that correctly, with Ivo Niskanen in, in what was a totally epic race and epic finish, and is just uh, you know a guy who I think is is known for being kind of a, a veteran and hard man of the World World Cup, uh, who has retired I think several years ago. But um, you know, I think Sammy, you were an, the athlete rep at. At, uh, for Fisk or Fisk cross country for a while too. So respected by our colleagues and just uh, delighted to have him joining us on this podcast today and, and clearly bringing the level of our expertise and, uh, you know, qualifications up by, by an order of magnitude here. Yeah, no, it's actually kind of embarrassing because Sammy works with like real media <laughs> and uh, <laughs> breaks down, breaks down, breaks down the races every weekend but it's cool to have have you here sammy you know lucky was this past weekend and that's kind of what we do here it's a pretty ghetto operation we run but um for english-speaking 
English speaking listeners, it's just to, to break down the World Cup and, and just talk a little bit about what happened kind of in, in English, we'd say like Monday morning quarterbacking, like after the races are done, just come on with some input and some of the things we saw and, and that sort of thing. But um, before we get to that, yeah, like, I think, I think it's uh, really, really cool. Like to see, I wanted that where I wanted to start with this is like, before we get into the races themselves, like even Niskanen's having a season, obviously. I mean, like it's incredible. People aren't surprised. He's the most beautiful classic skier in the world. He's the most when he's in shape. He's he's impossible to beat in classic internationally, and that that's a hard thing to do right now with with Klebo and uh, and with Bolshinov at such a high level in classic. Like so, it's it's incredible. Um, but you were there for the beginning of this, and you guys both won the team sprint together in Sochi, and for me in that era, cause I mean, I was racing at that era as well, you know, like the story of Evo Niskin and how we burst onto the world cup scene. I just was curious to hear your perspective. That was already a, not a veteran, but you were at the top of your game at that time. You'd won world cup. You, I mean, you won, you had already won the 50 K in, in the Trondheim and multiple times in the world cup podium. And then here comes this young Finn that wins under 23s that year in 2014 by like over a minute or something crazy in Val de Fiem goes to Toblock. You remember that race in Toblock, that crazy condition. I remember like, that race. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's eighth in that race. I remember that race, like crazy, had horrendous skis. It was so hard, but he like just threw down, punched his ticket to the Olympics. Next thing you know, he's fourth in the Olympic 15 K. And then you guys win the team sprint. Like how <laughs> did you know about him before that season there? Or would this really come like a rocket? Uh, like, what did you know about Ivan Iskinen prior to that 2014 season? Uh, quite a lot. Uh, I knew that he's a great talent with a high maximum uh, VO2 capacity, uh, probably the highest at the moment in Finland. And uh, the thing uh, he was uh, suffering was that uh, he was sick quite often because of uh, maybe too enthusiastic uh, trainings. And... Uh, then he got Olli Ohtonen, the previous uh, World Cup skier from a uh, Finnish national team, as a coach. And uh, they started to this, our, this project that to get this guy stay healthy. And this uh, season 13-14 was his first season that he was healthy, like uh, nearly the whole season. And he was like climbing, climbing, climbing with his... Uh, shape and uh coming to the olympics with uh you remember devon with oh, quite yeah. uh wet conditions in sochi Super, and at that yeah. time if you consider the 15k for example uh it was wet totally wet conditions and with his white base rossignol yeah, skis yeah. classic skis uh, so he like boom bang did this 15k had a huge advantage from the skis and then nearly finished top three, 0 0.2 oh. seconds behind Richardson. Yeah, it was crazy close. I remember that. I was just, you know, I, I was impressed with how he was skiing because I heard from the guys in under 23s that year at, at Val de Fiam, but also seeing him in toe block, I was like, this kid is a machine. And yeah, see, well, I mean, we, we botched the skis. Sochi was like, is a dark day in Canadian ski history. <laughs> we had horrendous skis every day and it was, we came into that season in, in great shape. Every oh, The last few seasons prior to Sochi, we were firing in all cylinders and just everything went wrong at Sochi for us. But but seeing him deliver like that was incredible. And it was his technique and diagonal stride that I think 
you know, certain athletes change skiing and, and uh, Niskanen absolutely has changed diagonal stride. No one diagonal strides like, like Niskanen. Some people are trying to now, but I mean, it's when he's in shape, it's, he's, he's really hard to beat. And I have a funny story about Sochi too, before we just move on to more of the racing. So after the tour to ski that season, Sammy was staying in the, the Movenpick hotel in Munich. Same with us, the Canadians, well, like Alex, myself, and some of the other guys and and sammy that night came up to us and we had dinner together i think and you came at the end of dinner you said like guys i will be olympic champion this year we're like whatever yeah okay sammy you'll be olympic champion sure sounds sounds good but i mean it's not so far-fetched because 15k classic was such a great event for you but you were like so convinced and you were like nope i'm gonna be olympic champion when sochi's over there'll be an olympic gold medal like okay and then he actually did it so if Sammy, uh, to friends of Sammy, if he, if he calls something long in advance, like you better don't, don't put your money against them because it seems like you can really deliver. Well, not all, unfortunately. No. But that I, I, don't re- I don't remember this uh, story, Evan, sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're going to uh, have but, to get uh, Alex. We need to call. When we get Alex back on that, you can ask him about it. He remembers. Okay. <laughs> but, I yeah, you- finally I did it, luckily. Yeah. Yeah, I think we might have had a couple beers. I'm not going to lie. This isn't so child friendly podcast, so maybe that's uh, that's that's number. Well, I don't drink beer, so it must have been something else. I had maybe something stronger or drunk. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. could be. Could be. But um, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into this weekend in Lati. It looked like a great weekend. Well, Holy so mother. so I actually I want to interrupt before we get to the weekend in Lati. I, I actually, Sammy, you said I think in your email that um, you were involved a little bit in this like uh, show sprint in in Helsinki before the World Cup, and I you know I think folks are probably not here to listen to recaps of show sprints, but wondering if you could just give us like a really quick recap of like what that was, what the goal was and and who was there. It just looked like kind of a a fun event. It was quite a fun event. It was the main event of Helsinki Ski Weeks. Uh, They like uh, spread out some snow or a a skiing track on Helsinki Olympic Stadium, which is built 1938 for the Olympics, which should have been 1942 but they postponed to the World War II to 1952. And uh, now on, in this historic uh, venue, they spread out some snow, make it, made it possible for all the people just to come into the stadium and uh, make some skiing. They could like reserve a one hour's time slot for uh, skiing there and like um, do something in this historic venue. And then uh, the main event was this Helsinki ski sprint, which was won by Klebu. Uh, second was this uh, Chinese uh, Wang, who was uh, disqualified in uh, semi-final. Wang yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wang, yes, that was the name. And also, like, Tauk Bell was there. The best Finnish skiers, Ivo, was uh, taking part in this uh, sprint on Thursday evening. On uh, ladies, it was Nadine Fendrich, who was winning... Uh, before Arne Appelqvist-Tenset. Some uh, also Julia Belorukova did not uh, qualify from the uh, qualification into the heats. And that was quite a big event. I guess there was maybe some 8,000 spectators were in, in stadium. And Wiley, the main broadcaster in Finland, the national broadcaster was uh, showing this uh, live in, 
main channel in the evening. So it was uh, quite a huge uh, race. So NBC, just like to, to all you NBC producers listening, Times Square 2023, like show sprint, Jesse Diggins, Keegan Randall, like let's do it. It, it could be huge. <laughs> I think it's so cool that that uh, that that events and and organizers want to do races like that, especially in Finland. It's people in North America that are listening probably won't be too shocked, but I mean, like cross country skiing is a huge deal in Finland. At least that's the feeling it has been for me every time that I've raced there. There's ski trails everywhere. Um, every place that we've raced in the World Cup, there's just such amazing cross country skiing, uh, like tourist trails or or just trails through the through the woods and everything. So. It's, it's cool to see everybody show up and, and also be back in the stands. That's what I wanted to talk to you about here in Lati too. Like how cool is it to see and hear the fans in Lati again? And, and uh, they had a lot to cheer about this weekend, but still it's, uh, it's been two years with not a whole lot of that. And Beijing was all we could hear was like the wind whipping through, <laughs> through a high desert plateau. So it was cool to see and hear the roar of a crowd. So it's cool that a lot of people came for that show sprint in Helsinki too. Hey, Devon, consider the last Olympics like uh, Pyeongchang, no audience during the track yeah. or in the track, just in the stadium. That was the same in Sochi. It was the same yeah. in Vancouver. But uh, did you take part in Turin? Yeah. 2006, yeah. There was uh, spectators all around the track or, or at least in several spots. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And I think, I think at least, I mean, your Lati has just such a rich history of having awesome fans and they come out and support. It's always a great loud venue, but coming from the Nordic country, like Sweden, Norway, or Finland, like it's so much better to race when people care and they're there screaming and partying and having a good time. Like what's coming next week is home and colon. And like, there is no rules anymore in Norway. Like Norway is wide open here for with coronavirus regulations. So this is going to be quite the scene, I think, in, in Homokol. And I know the government is trying to ask people not to go out into the woods, but really and not yeah they're trying to ask people to like not go fully crazy but i'm telling you like <laughs> home and colon is going to be fully crazy and super it, super it, spreader event oh yeah it's a super spreader event of epic proportions we're going to get like four new variants coming out of that party but uh but it's it's uh, <laughs> but it, it does something i agree with you sammy like it's it's um that's the way skiing should be shown and that's that's the way we should have events it's because it's great for the athletes but it also looks better on tv it's a better story and uh there's a real energy there's real energy when you have fans that are that really care and 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 are out there supporting the athletes for sure can't can't agree more yeah and devon you probably remember uh, your great moment with alex in uh home colon 11 when yeah, uh, there was, was maybe insane. some hundred thousand uh, spectators watching uh <laughs> norway to go on the knees in yeah. front of you <laughs> yeah yeah alex <laughs> shut up the crowd that's for sure and when he put his finger to his lips when he put his finger to his lips uh you could have hear, heard a pin drop although i think petter took that that gesture and made that his own by just <laughs> destroying us and all <laughs> the whole field on all the rest of the events but no for sure i mean it it's a it's a huge memory for for me of course but also uh, i'm not norwegian even though i live in norway now um but it's uh is something special racing in these countries like Finland, Sweden, and Norway that, and, and Russia, actually, 
you know, like I, I've raced in Russia with crazy fans too. And, and these countries that really, really care about cross-country skiing, it's, uh, it's uh, man, it's something else. And also you remember uh, probably Novemesto uh, Namorave when Neumannova was Bauer. a great Bauer, Kukal. Yeah. And also uh, uh, Otepa World Cup when oh. it was uh, the great years oh. of Estonian skiers. Oh yeah. Full, fully crowded. Oh yeah. Along the track. Yeah. Otepa. And you remember yeah. that one section, Sammy, like in the 15K class, I think it's one of the hardest 15K classic courses there is, but um, I agree with, with like maybe a kilometer to go, there was like one corner and you kind of joined back onto the sprint course. You're just about to join back onto the sprint course. They always had yeah. a wood fired hot tub there. Do you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a big hot tub with like a bunch of super stoked Estonians. Like think about that. Like, they plan for this 15k classic by like I don't even know how the hell they got a hot tub out there, but it's like a big wooden wood-fired hot tub right on the course. Like it's uh it's it's a party and it's a scene. So everyone in North America that that wants to experience what what international skiing really is, even just to come watch or experience the culture, like these these kind of venues, Otapa obviously wouldn't be the same now as it was, but uh Lati, Falun and, and Homokolin is always these are always great places to come visit, watch some ski racing and, and do some great skiing yourself because it's just there's just amazing skiing from all these venues. So agreed. So we, should we get into some amazing skiing for today? Interested to hear yeah. Sammy's perspective. So we just start with the women's sprint. Sweden. Sweden. Oh, what are like, they doing? Yeah. The new everything right. generation they are now having, they are dominating the yeah. whole World Cup circuit at the moment at, in sprint. Okay, maybe Frida Carlson and Pandersen are, are not on that shape uh, they used to be, or at the beginning of the season they were, but still, like Jonas Sundling, uh, leaving all these uh, world class uh, sprinters far behind, playing yeah. with them. Totally. And I, I, I don't know about you, Sammy, but like, I mean, we're just going to date our, ourselves, even though like we're the same age, so we can, we can say that, but like, you know, Sundling is, is knocking on the door of being like a Mara Bjergen type. Like it's been a while since I've seen an athlete play with the field in a longer, tougher sprint. Cause the, the, the sprint course this year, they didn't do a women's cutoff this year. It was the same course for the men and women. And, yeah. and she was, she was playing with the competition. I, I haven't seen that much since the days of like Jurgen really. And, and if you look at her distance results now too, I mean, like she's knocking on the door of something pretty spectacular. Sundling could be a, 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 an exciting athlete to watch and, and to come from having sprint capabilities and then transitioning into distance level results too. That makes you really, really dangerous. And I think it's uh it was super exciting to watch the her progress and, and just the way she did that sprint was just like it was it was it was incredible. And she's good in both techniques, not not just skating, but also yeah, exactly. classic. Exactly. And we'll come back to that in the 10K classic, but you're absolutely right. Like she's she's a complete package. And I think I think it's gonna be really exciting to watch her progress in, in the years to come. Dahlquist, of course, had that amazing streak on the World Cup with four straight skate sprint wins. But back on the podium, she is second at the Olympics in the sprint. I mean, like you said, Sammy, like the, the depth of the Swedish women in distance and in sprint, but especially on the sprint side, like sweeping the podium like that and uh, incredible. I, 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 even because there's a lot of, well, not a lot. I don't know. I don't think there's that many listeners, but <laughs> there's some American listeners. And so we have to talk about Diggins. And I, I thought 
I thought Dickens put up a good fight. And I mean, she, she had to go right into the basement to get that silver medal in the 30K in, in China and then to fly all the way back to Europe and go through four tough rounds like she did. I know that Dahlquist did too. And I know that, that Ribbom and, and, and Sun Ling also raced in the Olympics. But you have to remember, like, Jesse skied every race at the Olympics. And yep. then got food poisoning. Huge, huge work. Yeah, then got food poisoning. And oh, put in that, that's how yeah. you can know. Yeah, she had food poisoning in that 30, the night before that 30K, which is crazy. And, and flies over. And I wanted to, like, get your perspective because you were – you and I have also raced in Asia and then come back to Europe and then you have to race again. Like, you know, you, you like fly back from Asia into, into Europe and you have to race. And like, I was trying to explain this to a friend of mine, like how hard it is. First of all, you have this huge high of like an Olympics or a world championships. And whether you're happy or disappointed, there always is a lot of emotion and energy because the championship is over. And then you fly back to Europe and it's kind of like back to your normal weekend of racing you have to get fired up for these races and i'm so impressed with all these athletes to come out here and still be at such a high level like it's, it's insane well we Finns are lucky that we are having the home uh like home uh tracks uh on the first uh world cup weekend after the championships so we we can speak finnish we have finished food we have all this uh normal things around us but yeah. still it's a great, uh, uh, like a huge uh, adaption to the new time zone. Try to recover from the races, uh, from these uh, happy moments or disappointments, whether you have been uh, lucky and uh, got some medals or achieved your uh, goals. But still, well, if, if we are talking about the North American skiers or especially this US ladies, also, on the men's side, there have there has been some uh, highlights during this season, but uh, Jesse has been amazing. Some uh, bad uh, luck during the Tour de Ski, but also Rosie Brennan. What has oh, yeah. she done during yeah, these two seasons? Yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing to have been following with Rosie. Yeah, Nat is good friends with Rosie. They both live in Alaska and. Uh, uh, it's it we had a great conversation with Rosie a couple months ago and it, it is incredible what she's been able to do later in her career and and the the stability you know she didn't leave the Olympics with the medal but her performances at the Olympics was incredible and in the 10k today Rosie's used you know like a wonderful 10k classic again right off the plane she also did so many races at the Olympics like it's uh it's impressive. And I, I also like for the, even though I'm not American, but I mean like Julia Kern, I think it was cool this year in the top 10. Yeah. Um, and qualifying in fourth, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yes, and, yesterday. And, yeah. On yes, Saturday sprint. Yeah. In the sprint, she qualified fourth and she was eighth in the sprint. And I, I just, I wanted to like give her a bit of a shout out because that's, I know the Olympics were a little disappointing for her at the end, in the end, but like Lati, that's a championship course. I mean, that, that's a tough course. It's not some, it's not uh do sorry. It's not uh, Dresden, some sh like flat two minute sprint here. Like this is for real. And, and to see her, to see her in eighth was, was really cool. But if we uh, talk about the course here in Lati, the sprint course, yeah, it's tough, but it's boring. Too much curve. <laughs> Nothing happens after like right, like uh, just right after the first uh, long uphill. Then it's just uh, who is on top two, top three. They can control the 
skiing of others, like uh, standing in front, not letting them, uh, letting any space for the others to overtake. So I don't really like this. I like more more this Ruka type of course that they're coming to the up long uphill into the stadium and still continue working. But uh, I'd like to see relay here in Lahti instead of sprint. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. Like the what I love about the Lati Spring course, what I love about it is that the this because it's just such a historic finish, you know, where you like come down off that hill into the big horseshoe and then into the finish, and then just seeing like how good people's skis are, or seeing how wrecked people are over the hill. Are they going to carry their speed, or how are they going to take that last corner? We saw in the men's sprint that Pellegrino, you know, like skis outside of the course with one leg and he gets slapped with pretty harsh penalty i think i mean i'm not sure he should have been disqualified for that but it, but anyway me neither yeah i think that was a bad decision um so but at the start but but the start of the sprint course i i agree with you actually like and all the athletes know it's like it, you know for for the men it's a three minutes um but like you said it, it's just you know that you kind of need to get yourself into position but after that like you're kind of just defending your position so so that's uh i i agree with you even though i've had some good sprints in that latte spring course never on the podium but i've had some i've been in the final and like but you're right like for the production on tv if if you compare the the ruka sprint for example um absolutely it's it's it lacks that it lacks the excitement that sprints kind of need to have you know, if you're going to yep. watch a whole day of sprints on TV, especially the quarterfinals, you know what I mean? You have to be pretty interested in skiing to go get through all those quarterfinals when they're all playing out the exact same way. <laughs> like you just know, it's like, okay, if you're top three, you control the pace. If you're top three at the top of that hill, you're going to move through. And then that just keeps happening again and again and again. It's true. Some exceptions. Clevo. Yeah. yeah. Bit, yeah. Uh, great uh, <laughs> climbing. Yeah. Uh, Yoni Mackie was close to qualify yeah. to the semifinal, not yeah. uh, quite a bit too short uh, last uh, straight, but uh, on the ladies, nothing happened after this, uh, no. at least uh, after this last uphill. No, for sure. It's, 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 it's dead true. And I mean, uh, it's something that constantly has to be worked on, I think, because yeah, you gotta, you gotta have, you gotta have excitement in, in both genders. And I mean, if, if it's too predictable, especially sprints, like some, some other races, like we just have to accept that, like, it's going to be a little predictable. I mean, a lot of the distance races that Terence Johan does these days, although here at Lati, it was exciting at the Olympics, it was exciting in the individual starts, but like the mass starts like next week in home and colon, most likely Terence is just going to skew away from everyone. That's predictable in After a way. Five but case. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but at the same time, you have like a lot of crowd. There's like a lot of stuff going on, but in the sprint. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree. But the men's sprints, getting the breaking down the men's sprint, like you, you said, Claybo. I thought we can just go right to the finish. I mean, Shanava and Claybo, well, that was huge. That was that was. And, uh, we haven't seen Claybo being challenged like that in a long time. That was no. That was amazing. And, that was amazing. Sprint okay, Terentia was winning this uh, season's first sprint in uh, Ruka, but still, like a skating sprint and Claybo need to climb four positions in this last 100, 120 meters. And he really needed to push. And I don't remember seeing him uh, like uh, so, uh, the word in uh, Norwegian is Steve. Oh well, yeah, it's, stiff. Uh, stiff, yeah. Stiff, yeah, yeah. 
and yeah. he really needed to push. It was not relaxed skiing in this final 100 meters, which we are normally used to see on him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, I, I was I so was cool. cool. Oh, it was really, 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 really. Oh, mute yourself, <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, um, no, it was, it was, it was really cool to see that, see the challenge. I thought it was also cool to see uh, Sindra back on the podium, Sindra Bjorn Satskar. I mean, I'm friends with him, yep. and I mean, it's been a challenge, it's been a challenging last couple seasons for him, and to see him back on the podium was uh, was cool. And I mean, Kang Wang, like, dude, the Chinese kid, he skis so well. It was really yeah. exciting to see him ski so well, but like, again, he just doesn't have that practice skiing in traffic. We saw that at the Olympics when he made such a, the stupidest move ever to take out Paul Goldberg and get like relegated. And then in the final, he was having such an awesome day, qualify seventh, skiing beautifully, but just not good in the pack. And he ends up, he ends up hitting the deck and falling. And that was too bad to see, because I was excited to see what he could mix up, uh, you know, I, he could have been right in that, that, uh, tugboat collaborative kind of race. I think he was skiing well. He's skiing extremely well. And, uh, considering that, uh, in China, probably he's not having, uh, any good, uh, colleagues to like compete or make trainings together to like get used to these, uh, situations which are coming in, uh, in these uh, kind of sprints. So, uh, I was a bit surprised. Okay, he already finished the second right after Glebo in uh, Helsinki his uh, sprint on Thursday evening. Stadium sprint. Before uh, Evan Northuk, who took the third position in the stadium sprint. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like it, he's at a great level. And, and now it's just like, I, I'm, I feel like I'm just speaking into a vacuum because... Of course, you don't make the final in a World Cup sprint if you're not in a good level. <laughs> but uh, I was I was really impressed, and I yeah, it was, it was it's cool to see. And I hope I hope the Chinese Ski Federation, or whatever, understands like they really do have a jewel in this guy. Like he he's for real, uh, and he can he can and he, he can be dangerous in, in sprints moving moving to the future. No question. Top day for the North Americans, eh, Nat? Or you wanna, you wanna? Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I, I just like, I'm kind of piling on at this point, but I just, I feel like it's so exciting to see like a Chinese dude. You know, he's clearly like, I don't think he has anything to prove at this point about his fitness. Like, I think you know, he just needs to get the tactics dialed in. But you know, this guy's clearly like one of the best skate sprinters in the world and, and just, I don't know, seems like he has a good attitude and, and, you know, has like, I, I think I maybe said this on one of the podcasts before, but like when I was at the Olympics, there were like screaming teenage girls, like when he would go by in the, in the stadium in Beijing. So like, you know, if, if, um, if China can give him the opportunity to, to compete, which I think was, has been like a real question, um, you know, during the COVID pandemic, but hopefully, you know, maybe now as that's like easing a little bit, at least in the rest of the world, we get to see this guy a little more and, and more to come from him. That's all. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And I, I want, 
I, I agree with you. I, I wanted to give one quick shout out to uh, Graham Ritchie, since North American listener, Sammy, a Canadian guy. He, uh, great to see him in the top 30. Uh, I think it's, again, like we talked about how hard it is from flying to, from, from Asia back to, to Europe, and then also the time change and everything. And he's a young athlete and doesn't have a lot of experience. So to see him, to see him be fifth in his heat and come 24th is awesome. And I, I also wanted to say, like, tough day for the American men. Like, I mean, the American men have been so good in sprints this year and they put four guys in the heats at the Olympics and just things weren't working for them today well, or sorry, yesterday. I don't know. I it, don't know. It, and I mean, I, I think we got to be so a couple of things. I mean, you know, I think Kevin Bolger was pretty frustrated to miss out on the heats yesterday, but then, you know, the, the whole like uh, crew of young guns is like, uh, you know, you kind of got to love and hate the college circuit because um, JC Schoonmaker, Luke Jagger and Ben Ogden are all back stateside. Like they're not racing right now. And so, you know, they've, they've got obligations with their college teams, which are supporting them and have, you know, helped them kind of get to where they are. But um, you know, I, I, as, as like a fan and less of a journalist, I'm like, come on, like, you know, put these guys, put these guys in coach, like they're ready to play. And instead, like they're, you know, racing, like, I think like NCAA collegiate races, um, which is just like, uh, but, but also it's like, you know, they wouldn't be here if not for those teams and, and support that they're getting. So, you know, it's, it, but, but it is just like, man, it's, it's kind of a bummer to see no us dudes in the heats when we know that there are potential for, for, like you said, Devin. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is like, I, this is where Sammy probably just doesn't understand like the, the dynamics there with like American college skiing, but it, it, it's just such a, we've come such a long way. I, we, I love how we talk, we like, uh, there's, this is not a circuit in Canada. This is an American only thing, but like now I think it's so cool that you have a lot of these young guns, like you said, Matt, that they go to university and are supported in college university programs with coaches that are actually good and know what they're doing and are helping these athletes develop like into world cup skiers. And that's something that like, I'm sorry, like the NCAA was where your career went to die for like, Oh, pretty much forever. And it's really in the last, like since the Sophie Caldwell kind of era that, that, uh, it, it's really turned around. There's a lot of new coaches that have come into the program and a lot of new coaches that have like Olympic experience and, and world cup experience. And, and also if not that, then they have like world junior under 23 experience and, and they they're kind of plugged into what international skiing is. And they're also letting these guys develop. Uh, it's cool. I, I think, I think it's really good, but I agree with you, Nat, like you're racing NCAAs and like, who cares? Like NCAAs means nothing when you're so good that you can be in the semifinal at the Olympic games. You know what I mean? Like, so it's too bad to see a guy like Ben Ogden back home, but uh, I do feel like it's, it's worth, I, I hate to sort of like, uh, that people are not here to listen to me. They're here to listen to you and Sammy, but I, I do think it's interesting. I mean, at the Olympics, I talked a little bit about this with Matt Whitcomb, the U S head coach. And, um, you know, asked him specifically about Rosie Brennan. And, you know, there, there was this time about 10 years ago where the U S was really pushing people and saying, look, college is not the path to international success. We can't, we can't do it. And if you take this path, we're, we're not going to support you in the way that we have supported, you know, other athletes that we think have metal potential. And Rosie was kind of at like the sharp end of that. And, and, you know, I think it was one of the reasons she got cut from the U S ski team 
and talking about this with Matt in, in China, he was like, look, we, we realized that like in retrospect, this was an error because it really, you know, while, while this is not a dynamic we have to deal with, like in Scandinavia, like college is a huge part of American culture and to kind of ask people to forego that is just, it's like, it's not a system that's going to work. And we were cutting out basically half of our pipeline here. So I, I, you know, and, and Rosie, I think was like an example of like, you can go to college, you can go to Dartmouth college and still be able to like, you know, for four years and then still be able to ultimately be competitive at the Olympic and world cup level. So um, I don't know, it's just, just sort of an interesting point there yeah and before we just move on to the 10k because like sammy's like what are you guys talking about <laughs> but no but i'm not one... what you're i also okay. have an opinion about this yeah, okay sweet yeah now, nowadays, nowadays you are having a system that is working you have the coaches you have the like uh, good uh, place to train under control then the best will uh, achieve the world cup level and they are going to world cup then maybe like like the young guns now they are back in the university to make some racing maybe for the university in the university games yeah and they have something to rely on if we consider finish system now we have uh, lots of young skiers that are quitting their careers at the age of 22 23 because not getting enough support or not like uh, all not all the clubs can support their athletes the national teams are quite small but you have the system that supports and they can like develop in in a good way, long time, what it takes three to five years to graduate from the university. Yeah. So then you get this extra three to five years to try your limits, which we don't have. Okay, if you're lack of money here, you will quit and go to work or start uh, studying. But like studying in Finland is completely different compared to your university system, which is working. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, I think what, what, what you're saying, Sammy, and this is what I was trying to say, trying to kind of bait Matt into getting into the discussion is like, I think it's cool that it's working now. And I think it's cool that the US ski team is communicating better with the college coaches, the college programs are better. They're so much better. Like when I was young, like, or younger, when I was like 20, and I was studying, I studied at the University of Calgary for a little bit, and then just put my studies on hold. And, and as a Canadian, like, going to the NCAA was why the hell would I do that? There was like nobody that was winning world cup medals or top 10 in the world cup that, that was like, did anything at college. And I, I don't mean like once in a while, like one or two top tens, I mean like a top 10 world cup skier. It just was not a path. And I think it's cool that you've seen a path in Dartmouth. Like you said, Matt is, 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 is a, is an example of that. And it is cool to get that perspective with Rosie that she, that she was kind of like a trailbreaker there because she was one of the first ones from, from Dartmouth to be able to make it show that this is, that this is doable. And then people like Sophie Caldwell also went to Dartmouth and then went through that path. And then now you see like Jasmine Drolet in, in uh, this is a Canadian girl, Sammy, that was top 10 at world juniors. And, and she's just started Dartmouth this year. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's uh, I agree with what you're saying, Sammy, like gives the athletes a chance to, to study, but also be supported and, and uh, have long-term goals that you can work towards. So, but speaking of long-term goals, should we just, we don't want to use burn all Sammy's time, but 10, yeah. 10K, 10K classic, this was a barn burner. And there's, there's two things. We're going to wade into some kind of tough topic and you just can smack me, Sammy, and say, we're not going to answer it. But, but first we'll just break down the race. Awesome race. 
women's racing is awesome these days. It's just so fun. Another super close one. Like Terezi Oha yep. started, started hard and it looked like she was just going to ski away from this thing. And in the end, like Neprieva, like 1.2 seconds, like, holy, Terezi Johag has won some of these 10K classics in like barely, like it, it's, it's been super exciting. And, and Neprieva, man, she had a disciplined race, so disciplined and almost, almost took a victory and what a victory it would have been. And then the two Finns, uh, Potomakowski and Niskanen, like three, four, like that, like, it's 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 so exciting to see Krista back back in in form and I talked about this during the Olympics and I wanted to get your perspective what 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 did Krista Parnikowski do here this season because I, I'm so excited to see her back being consistently good after a couple challenging seasons and, and what a year to do it I mean Olympic year she comes home with individual medals and then already bang first world cup back from the Olympics she's on the podium in a, in a home race in Finland like um, did you have any insight on what uh, Krista did to to figure out what was not working and get things back on track. I have some uh, inside things. Uh, okay, first of all, last season, before the season in the autumn, she was having a lung virus uh, infection, which affected a lot on her her trainings. And then, okay, did quite well uh, in Tureski. I guess she was top uh, fifth in uh, in the Tureski finals. 2021 season but then at the world champs in Oberstdorf okay the base base layer was not uh, hard enough so it cracked even if uh, she got the bronze medal from the relay against uh, Jesse at the final sprint but still uh, not a good season then uh, she made some uh, like changes on her diet for this Olympic season and got off some uh, maybe 1.52 kilos of weight and uh, but still eating a lot like uh, not eating food but eating fuel yeah that was one thing and then uh, after the 30k race in at the Olympics she told that okay this season she has not been training that much as before but concentrated on the quality of the trainings. So a bit uh, less uh, with volume, but uh, with uh, bigger or better quality. Uh, and then like uh, taking one target on uh, these things that are not, the, or the stones that are not turned was the food thing. So that those are the inside things she's uh, changed for this season. And what about that? that? To the top yeah. three. Yeah. Amazing. And, and not just that, like she was great at the Olympics too. And, and she's, she's been so stable good this year, which is so fun. And what about Kirtu too? Because Kirtu is kind of in the same boat, like had a couple challenging seasons and, and, you know, like her, her potential has always been known. I mean, she was fourth in the 30 K skate that my wife was third in and way back in Sochi. So like you knew she was good when she could be good, but she also had a couple tough, tough seasons and she almost pulled off the biggest upset maybe in like cross-country ski history by coming 0.4 seconds behind Terezi Ohag in the 10k classic at the Olympics and, and she's fourth here which is another great result but but uh, any insight onto what Kirtu did because she she's been having an amazing season this year I mean she's a world cup win and and then second in the Olympics and 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 just so stable as well okay if we move back to last season and what happened in Fallon she uh, 
Kerta broke her bone in the leg, foot. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, like a long uh, period of uh, how do you, rehabilitation. Is, is yeah. that the word? Yeah. Yep. That's, Rehab that's things. Good. Yep. And then like uh, you need to change your routines, do something differently. Okay, long uh, recovery period uh, last spring after this, uh, not accident, but uh, broke of the bone. Yeah. And then starting like concentrating on training and she needed to do things a bit different. And I guess that is the reason she is uh, in such a good shape at the moment. Yeah, that, that, like, that's also uh, interesting. Like many people, many athletes are having the same coach for several years. That's my opinion, but about seven to eight years, one system is working. Then you need to change the system to get the development still going up. And uh, that's what has happened now for Kertu. Uh, his uh, husband, Juho Mikkonen, who was all, uh, also previous uh, World Cup skier, I guess fourth in the sprint in Lillehammer one year. is okay. his best, best achievement. And uh, he's been coaching Kertu now for, I guess, two seasons. And also, like, they are living together, they are training together, they're making things so... Kert is also having a lot of control in, in her trainings. And now after the uh, accident or the broke of the bone, changing things and lo- a lot of control and al- also a lot of uh, like uh, rehab training, which has made that uh, she has uh, got the level she's at the moment. Oh, that's, that's, that's super fascinating to hear. And I mean, I, I think... By- just picking up on something you said about like, like it's true, like athletes adapt. Right. And then it's hard not to change a winning formula. You know, it's really hard when something's working really well, you're like, okay, I'm just going to repeat this. It keeps working. And then you're flying high when it's working, it's fine. But when it stops working, it's so hard to make those changes and be like, you know what, I need a different stimulus, but I need to do it smart and I need to do it systematically and I need to make a change. And, and, I struggled with that in my career, like big time. I mean, you know, you have something that works. You want to just keep riding the same horse to the dance, you know, it's uh, and you got to no man, you got to jump on a bike or jump in a car. You can't keep doing the same stuff. And it's, it, that's a challenge to do, especially as you get older. And especially after you've had a lot of great results behind you. And in Kirtu had that as well. Like she had a lot of great results, you know, not, not Olympic individual medals, like she's performing now, yeah. but she, but she, you know, top five on the World Cup was definitely not something Kirtu was a stranger to. And um, to see that it worked, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's really interesting to hear. So, but the other things in the 10K Classic that, I, that I'm, Sun Ling, like you said, Sammy, like fifth place, like what a great race by her. Uh, this, I'm just excited because I think Sun Ling could be a Mar Birgen type in the future. And I hope so. It'd be awesome. Rosie Brennan in eighth is another, another one that really, jumped out at me I thought it was great to see her back in the top 10 and some athletes struggled I mean like Frida Carlson let's be honest it's just not working now like she's out of energy or something like it's mentally or everything it's just 16th it's her worst result in 10k classic in over two seasons you got to remember she's only 22 (laughs) so she hasn't really been in the world cup she's pretty young yeah yeah she's super young and she's a huge champion and like the biggest talent man, one of the biggest talents I've ever seen, like winning medals at the individual 
world championships as a junior is just so mind-blowing and to follow that up something like the rest of yeah 2007 yeah. at the age exactly. of 18 took yeah, the bronze ex- where christine was second and yeah. was winning yeah. this 30k in Sapporo. Yeah. yeah exactly yeah. so so it's so it's just incredible what she's doing but it's 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 tough to see her now um it's tough to see her now struggling and i mean uh but i'm, I'm not i'm not worried i don't know you about know, you but i'm i'm not worried for her for the future i'm just not I just I have one thing that I would offer on on Frida Carlson. I mean, I actually feel like it's nice to see her struggling a little bit because it just you know it like it adds some texture to who she is. I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing like that we saw from Gus Schumacher, where it's like you know these these young folks who have had kind of nothing but success in their careers. It's like you know we're seeing right now this season that like. Frida Carlson is human and she's 22 and sometimes she doesn't exactly know what she needs to do to be on the top of her game. And like, same with Gus Schumacher, like these aren't, these aren't like full, like, and and skiing is harder. You know, it's not like basketball where like, you know, basketball, you can go out and you can just like dunk every night. Whereas like skiing, like there's a little bit of mystery. There's like the whole off season training phase. And it's just like, so I don't know. I mean, I think as like, I think you can definitely sort of empathize and sympathize with both Frida and Gus this year, but it's also like, as a fan of the sport, I actually think it's kind of cool. You know, it's, it's, it's boring when you see Teresa Johan win every single race and, and Frida Carlson get second. I, and I, you know, it's just like, I think it's sort of interesting to see these ups and downs and I don't have any doubt that like Frida Carlson and Gus Schumacher are going to be back, like skiing their faces off in a season or two. No, I, 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 it's it's true, but I, I just the athlete in me, and just knowing how what her potential is, and just knowing that she was the first woman in six years to beat Teresa Johag in a 10K Classic earlier this season, to see her back in 16th in a course that suits her so well. I mean, Lati is a tough course, Sammy. Like, I mean, those climbs are steep, they're hard. There's great descent. It's a great course. It's an awesome distance course, and you'd think that Frida Carlson would. It's like made for her, and and just to see her struggling is it's it's still tough i don't know yeah but as you told she's young a super beginning of the season winning in ruka winning by mar- zero point something march in uh, in lillehammer and then having some problems during to the ski and then dropping down and not uh, like uh, climbing back on the level she used to be so sometimes it happens sometimes you take a break for few weeks and then you're back on top level but now it has not happened and like this is a good way to learn or best way to learn is like through struggling like yeah, no, that's my true. opinion i i agree with you i mean it's sad that there like there there's no school like the school of hard knocks you learn the most when you're when you're dealt with adversity and and, and she's going through some adversity diggins on the other hand 20th today in the in the in the 10k classic fans of the sport i mean you know, Diggins is a, a wild, a wild cat there in, in classic, you know, some day, some days the classics looking really good and sitting well, and some days it's just not working. And, and, um, you know, Jesse just didn't have, didn't have her best classic, didn't have her best classic race today. What can you say? But the, it was the, not looking good. No, like her bending is, in, yeah. inwards with the knee, yeah. like, uh, the nerve system must be a bit tired and all the like, uh, muscles are not, uh, reactive reacting in the, right uh, time i could yeah, agree it, with this or good guess like that yeah exactly it's it, the timing right like that's the thing you see yeah. with jesse diggins when she's when she's firing in all cylinders she has 
her classic actually is quite good when she's rested in good shape and she's in good shape. You know, we know Jesse's in good shape, but, but when she's okay, tired, she, yesterday, that's, yeah, that's exactly. Good shape. Exactly. And, and second in the 30 K like last week. So, yep. but then, but then she gets a little tired, her technique, she starts hinging at her hips. Uh, like you said, with her knees, she starts like her, her, her core, she, she's not hitting her kicks properly. And then you get a little late with your kick. And then that just kind of cascades into like a technical disaster. <laughs> and, and today was, uh, sorry to say like one of those days, but, but you know what, it's, uh, it was still, Jesse's had a great season and, It, you're going to have races like that every once in a while. And especially after a championship and you're jet lagged and it's, that's just how it, that people that don't know skiing that well have to just understand that uh, I joked around about this on the podcast before. And I know Sammy's experienced the same because he was a great classic skier that could skate well once in a while. But like, if I'm having a bad day in skating when I was racing and I was tired, I, I'm getting my ass kicked. Like I'm skiing like a, not even a junior, like I'm skiing like a 12 year old, like I'm so bad if I'm yep. exhausted and my timing's off, I can't skate at all. And when I'm in good shape and feeling good and rested, I it can, I mean, I won distance races in skating. So it's, um, but it's, it's just like that with, with cross country skiing, you I mean, the two techniques, it, it, some, you know, Jesse and when she's tired, doesn't look pretty sometimes in skating, but she can still be top five because she's just that good. But in classic, she just doesn't have that same stability. Yeah, but you know what I liked the most on this uh, 10K race in Lahti was this, that uh, Johok was uh, starting, Nefriyayeva was coming from the first lap and like uh, pushing next to the, or a bit in front of uh, Johok and showing that I'm here. Remember, I'm here. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was great. Uh, it was it was great. And I mean, I I, I think, and this is, this is what's going to be a tough question for you. It, it, Cause it's just a hard thing to wade into. And I, we're not a political podcast and we're not like, if you want to get that kind of news, you can go over to <laughs> the New York times or uh, NRK if you're in Norway or Ule if you're in uh, in Finland or whatever. But, but the fact of the matter is Nepadeva is leading the overall world cup. And right now the situation in Ukraine is a nightmare. There's no question. And yep. there's been a lot of stuff. And I wanted to ask you because coming into Lati, I, I read and I wanted to ask you that, you know, there's been some threats that the Finnish Ski Federation had to take seriously. Um, some messages that they got about the Russian or Russian contingent. And it, it's a it's a hot topic right now. It, it's really scary moment in Europe. And it, it's scary for Finland. It's scary for every every country in Europe right now to see what we're seeing. And it's inexcusable what's happening. <laughs> it's like Putin has obviously lost his marbles, but the fact of the matter is these athletes are having to compete like this. And, and, you know, Norway is asked, the Norwegian ski federation is asked, like, there's no consequence, which is asked, like, given the current situation, consider maybe not coming to Norway and racing here and, and that sort of thing. And, and Nepadieva is like, she's going to win the overall world cup. She just has to come like top 15 for the rest of the season. She wins the overall world cup, which is a huge accomplishment And I, I just think it's uh, ah, it's it's a super sad situation uh, for every. Yeah, every but like ball. something that athletes cannot uh, influence, no any kind of way. And also, like, no. uh, should we punish the athletes? Okay, there are some punishments against Russia because of the war against Ukraine, but still, like uh, I read uh, the Norwegian news today or yesterday, like, uh, okay, should they be like taken out of uh, the World Cup? 
in my opinion, if uh, all the nations are not allowed to come in and compete, should the World Cup or should there be delivered out any points in the World Cup? Or should it be cut like, okay, the World Cup ended here. We are having the World Cup events without the points. Yeah. I, or I the overall that. and distance and sprint World Cup should end like that. Would oh, that be uh, one solution? Yeah, you know, I, I, that's something I hadn't, this is actually something I hadn't even thought about, but that is definitely a solution. And because like, what I had thought about is what, uh, I don't know if you saw what IBU did, but uh, the IBU said like the Russian athletes are welcome to compete, but they have to compete with no flag and they have to compete in neutral clothing. Like, so they can't okay. use the, they can't use the suit. They can't use the Russian suit just with no Russian uh, flag on their toque or anything, but they could compete with. That would be great. Or yeah. like a, a fair solution yeah, for this uh, exactly. problem. Yeah. And so, so the Russian athletes said, fuck you. And they left and they're out. And then they took this case to Cass and they're like, where this is unacceptable. But for me, I, I took that as, you know what, in the current situation, allowing the Russian skiers to race, um, but under a neutral, like a race as the person, like Nepetyeva races. As athletes. As an athlete. Yes. Not representing as an any nation. No, exactly. Not, not, yeah. as a, not as a conduit to some grander scheme, but just as a, an athlete. Uh, I, I, that, that is a, that is a, some solution, but I, I didn't even consider Sammy that uh, just stopping the World Cup points now, given that there's uncertainty in politics in the world involving one of the superpowers of skiing, and then Nepetyeva wins the overall World Cup. And I, if that would be the case, I don't think anyone would argue that Nepetyeva doesn't deserve to win the World Cup globe. I mean, she's had a fantastic season and winning Tour de Ski. Yeah, winning Tour de Ski, winning medals at yeah. the Olympics, even and now second today. I mean, she's on great form, and uh, but I, I just feel for the whole situation in skiing. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's a mess, is what it is, and uh, it, it, in the world that, that goes without saying. But um, you know, a- asking these athletes, like Russian athletes, like how do you feel about it? it? It's just like an impossible question to answer, too. Like, what what do you want? What do you want an athlete to answer in this situation? I like like it's. You know, there's no, there's no answer. It's horrible, you know? But it's also, I mean, the, the, you know, this is, it's not about the athletes and that's, what's frustrating about it. You know, it's like, like I have nothing against any of these athletes, but it's like, ultimately they're, they're representing a country one. And it's like, and, and the country has made them like Putin has made these athletes like symbols of the country. And I, and it's like, I think even if they're racing under, um, uh, under sort of black suits or black flag or whatever it's like it's it's really hard to avoid the fact that, you know it's like uh, i think the scandinavian press is talking a ton about you know the fact that like bolshunov is like a captain in the russian army and just got promoted after the olympics and you know it, it's definitely not for me to like uh, pine on what the solution is here um but it is like i you know agree with you Devin, that it's just like it's a really difficult situation because, you know, the athletes in fairness, like they're not politicians. They haven't asked for this. And, and skiing, I think is also sort of a weird sport too, where like, you know, it's not like we have the Toronto blue Jays and the, you know, New York Yankees. It's like, you're sort of competing for your country, but like, you're not like, it's not, it's not really like, you know, the world cup is not the Olympics. Like you're just sort of racing for your country because that's who, 
control skiing in your country. But I, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, someone can write a term paper on it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a sad, it's, a, it's just a really sad situation. And yeah, I, I don't know. But, but I mean, the world is, we're in a, we're in a perilous situation. So in the world, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I agree with everything you, you just said there. Not it's it's tough, and I mean, because you hear you hear athletes like Alexander Ovechkin. I'm a hockey, I love hockey. I'm Canadian, like of course. And you know, Alexander Ovechkin comes out and makes statements saying like, you know, no war and like, please, like we want peace and stuff. But like, it's he's living in the U.S. and he's <laughs> makes hundreds of millions of dollars <laughs> over his career. Like, um, you know, Anepadeva is not that is not that same. Like you said, it, it they're they're not representing a private club either, you know? So uh, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, as the season progresses, but I, I wanted to bring that up a little bit. I think we lost, I think we lost uh, Sammy there. So um, I don't know, is he in the waiting room or something? Nat? <laughs> oh, uh, he didn't, he didn't have to be in the waiting room before. I'm, okay. I'm not at my computer anymore. So I yeah. couldn't, tell you um but we don't have an email from him either huh yeah no i i've uh, i can text him and just ask him That's cool. okay i'm we'll have to cut this out i'm like i'm in the parking lot uh I, I i don't have to necessarily stop at 11 but i'm i'm about to like uh transfer vehicles here and get yeah. on the road no that's fair you know what can we just get through the, ri- the results then <laughs> yeah like let's let's just get through the results I, I wanted to before we do that sorry um I'm going to give Sammy just like one chance to talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, cause he threw down. Yeah. If that, if that's cool. Totally. Um, then, then I'll let you go. You'll be like two minutes late if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fine. I, I can, I mean, I think I'm either going to be driving or just sitting in Rob's car. So it's all good. But, uh, I'm, I'm on headphones here. Yeah. Rob, Rob's a fan of the show. He's one of the, he's one of the oh, yeah. listeners. He's one of the oh, yeah. listeners. He's not counting here if he's getting this live. So man, it's sunny there too oh yeah it's like full spring it's like you know it was like plus five yesterday i went on this like long no pole ski oh here's my here's my crew look at these fuckers you can uh hey. <laughs> oh yeah there he is nice oh, yeah, I'm, on, uh, this is, uh, I'm on with uh kershaw right now you're talking to Devin. yeah hey 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 Rob. how's it going yeah hey how's it going yeah he wants to know what's up yeah well i can't hear him i know oh there Please. he is is it just kersh what else? Uh, here, I no, Sammy, um, let's see here. Where's the speaker? There being go. recorded. Hey, what's up? Sam, hey, Sam. Sammy's back. So we gotta we gotta wrap I'm this back. podcast up. We gotta wrap this podcast oh. up. So <laughs> okay, okay. Take your time. Okay, we'll be like five. Yeah. yeah. So, but anyways, I I'm I'm sorry to put you on the spot like that, Sammy. I hope that was okay. I it just uh, it's just a challenging it's just a challenging time, and I think it has to be discussed a bit. Yeah, it, it, it is needed to be discussed a lot. Uh, but what is the way, like uh, the fair way for the athletes who have uh, trained a lot, uh, focused on for the season, like uh, Nepriyayeva trying to catch the big globe, uh, Bolsunova leading uh, distance World Cup. So, like, what is the fair way to solve this thing? Like one guy, one president is uh, making the decision to attack a neighbor country. And should uh, the athletes uh, suffer from it or not? So, well, 
fortunately, we don't need to uh, make decisions <laughs> about this. We can just discuss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and we don't have the answers. And and uh, it, I think we can all agree, everyone on this this chat is like, it's just a really sad situation. It, it's just yep. sad. Like it, it's uh, not just for the, sp the sport is like such a minor thing, but just the, like this is sad in a complicated situation. Not as complicated. Moving on here, so we can wrap this up and get Sammy back. Give him to bed since it's ten o'clock there, and you're a dad of three, so you, you got to get some rest. But, but Evo, I, I'm glad you came back uh, to talk about like Evo Niskanen wins the 15k classic at home. As yeah, I got some problems with the connection. I I did not no like uh, leave this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, because no, no. you were asking about the political situation. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But Evo Niskanen, right? Like. Ivo Niskanen threw down like a, just a beautifully executed race and, yep. and, and reminds me of a run that, uh, back in 2007, actually it was a different, different Olympics, but, uh, Adrian Yelmaset won the 50 K in Sapporo. And then he got on a plane, flew to Lati six days later, won the 15 K classic in Lati. And then the week after he won home and you know, but, um, yep. But, but Niskanen, the way he executed that race and the way he's skiing and the confidence he's skiing with, but just the technique and these steep hills, like it's hard to, for that to come across on TV. But because Niskanen makes that look so beautiful and he's hitting all his angles. But for kids that are watching, if you want to know how to ski diagonal stride, like, look no further than Ivo Niskanen today. It was, it was something else. Yeah, just the kids, don't let your hips lie. Let them... Uh... <laughs> Like uh, stand up in front on the skis on this uh, field of uh, classic kick area and make your uh, middle body like dynamite. Yeah, and, and that he was just putting that on a, on a show. Like his weight was, like you said, Sammy, his weight was always under him. He's so strong in his core. And his timing is just perfect. It, it's yep. he's hitting his kick every time, and and, and he and he walks away with a beautiful victory at home. And and uh, what a deserving victory, and what a what a great champion, especially this season. He's he's just been firing on all cylinders, and that must have been fun for the home crowd. Like just watching on TV, hearing that roar when he came into that finish. Uh, yep. That, uh, that that's got to be a crazy feeling man like that's that's uh like that's uh, 2017 in the world champs when he was oh, winning yeah yeah that was crazy and johannes klebo you know great race by him again he's obviously in great form and and uh i thought it was a very disciplined race by johannes uh, the course suits him really well he's shown that he's one of the best classic skiers in the world he's he's such a diplomat he's such a great ambassador for the sport too you know, yep. the Norwegian media has asked him a lot of hard questions this week. They've asked him about to break down what happened in Beijing and he did it so well. And then they asked him about the Ukraine situation and he answered it like such a pro. And then he's raced, he won yesterday. He showed up for the Helsinki sprint. And then he comes here today, he comes second with a very well-disciplined and well-executed race. Like Klebo is, is, is just, you know, he reminds me of like, uh, I'm, I'm a, like hockey, Sammy, because I'm Canadian and I know hockey's big in Finland too. Congratulations on the Olympic gold medal in hockey, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, Sidney Crosby, Sidney Crosby, when he was at his best, like he was just such a diplomat and, and just such a great ambassador for the sport of hockey. And, and Johannes Klebo is just a, a wonderful ambassador for, for the sport of cross country skiing. And, and he's also, I totally agree. Yeah. He's putting together a beautiful, beautiful race, but, 
my my boy <laughs> i have trashed just so you know sammy i've trashed the swedish men's distance program for years because i'm just i just can't get over it i don't understand what happened to the swedish distance men after a hundred years of dominance but poroma is like the one shining like he's the future of the whole like to build back swedish men's distance skiing and talk about a well-executed race and skiing beautifully i i wanted to get your perspective on poroma like what a race by by poroma today yeah and uh, like uh, from the first kick he was uh, skiing uh, strongly, fast, uh, technically right, close to Eva today with technique. He was like uh, shining all the way and unfortunately got just the third pl uh, place, climbed on the podium, 0 0.4 seconds or something difference yeah. between uh, Poroma and uh, Klebu. So, uh, but still, Okay, and there was this one uh, happening with uh, Paul Shunova broke his pole on first lap. I don't know what happened, if he hit it uh, inside his own uh, ski or something, but uh, luckily got uh, in few meters a new pole from his uh, coach, Borodavko, Yuri Borodavko. But uh, like, uh, I was also super happy about that. It's not only Niskanen, Klebu and Paul Shunov who are taking this uh, 15 classic podium. We all, we all, all the countries, all the nations need new names to get uh, interested, interest for a cross country. And what was best in the Olympics was uh, the victory of uh, German ladies on a team oh, sprint and the second yes. spot on a relay for Germany. 100%. Because it makes yeah. it exciting. Because it makes it exciting, right? Like it's a narrative that we can all get behind. It's fun. It's, yeah, so I, I completely agree. And and about the, coming back to the technique of Potoma, again like the high hip position right and yep. where is his weight like when he when he kicks his ski where is his weight if you could just draw angles of like where his weight is when he has to kick the ski it's right over that kick zone and yep. he and he does it for 15k in a row and um yeah I, i'm just it's been a great season and it's such a hard what he's doing in sweden is, is i can't stress this enough the, the the great champions that we raced with sammy like uh Sodegren, and uh johanna Hellner, Hel Hellner, matthias Fredriksson, ellison you the, the list goes on and on but they they had succession they had multiple guys that are at the top level of the sport and, and put them on now like let's just like scroll down the results list here like jonas Eriksson is 17th a minute and a half back he's the second best swede so like Potoma is having to do this like alone right now to, and I know Berman has okay. is, is awesome. Has, Berman yeah. is awesome. And last year when he climbed on the podium in Angadine, awesome, great, great skier, great guy, really struggling with injury with, with not one, but two slip discs, two uh, prolapse discs in his back in the last yep. year and a half. So, so he's, he's going through a lot. And I know they, they live together or the Poroma and, and Berman have lived together and trained together, prepare for the Olympics. I know, but it's still, it's still a, it's a, it's a, tall order for a guy who's 22 years old like Potoma to kind of like uh, 21 21 he's not 20, 22 yet. 23rd but, of December for yeah, 21. that's true that's true that's true so he's really 21 he's a whole year yeah. it's exactly so it, it's uh it was an impressive race by him it really really was and I uh and yeah what can you say I uh it was it was awesome and I want to shout out to the Canadians 
Tony Sear, 23rd. He might be disappointed in that because he was 11th in Ruka um, earlier this year, but I thought it was a, a great race by, by Tony. And then uh, Olivier Levier in 29th. Ali is uh, first year senior and, and 29th. And might be the last thing before we just let Nat go and let you go, Sammy. Emma Leverson, what's going on? Like 30th and not skiing well either. I don't skiing know. Technically, like what's going on there? Okay, he was seventh in Ruka at the beginning of the season. Then uh, he was qualified for the Olympics, which we were wondering a lot together with my uh, ex or commentator in uh, television. That what what are they doing? What are they like saving with this? That they already chose uh, Iverson for the Olympics in uh, in December, even if they are having like uh, multiple uh, top level skiers that even not, cannot show up what they truly can achieve okay something has truly happened he's he's like uh, been up and down for the whole of his career but like this has been a total disaster season for him like uh, one okay weekend and then nothing okay yeah. uh, silver in the relay but not making a, a great uh, opening of the relay no, exactly. It's, it's, it's sad to see. And, and he, you know, he's had at his best, he's one of the best in the world, but 50 K class, especially in a course like Lati, you expect him to, to be better than that. I, I feel for him. I, I feel for Emil. I think it's uh man, it, it, things just aren't working. So he's going to have to go back to the drawing board, but uh, yeah. And there we have it. That's we, we, we got through it. We got through all the races in Lati. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, still about this uh, Everson case uh, in endurance sports, one year is a short period. And if you are making mistakes during the training period, you probably pay for that for the whole season. And like you need to train another good summer autumn to get back on that level you used to be. Yeah, no, for that's sure. Sad. You can't, but that's yeah. true. No, it is sad and it's true. It, it is something that you can't just like snap your fingers and, and uh, make it turn around. It's, it's, it's tough. Yep. It, it, and, and, and now like, you know, you see the performances of the guys at the top. Like you see how Ivo Niskanen is skiing. You see how Klebo is skiing. You see how Portimo is skiing. Bolshinov, come on. Like he's a beast. Like he's so good. Yep. So he's a machine. If, yeah, he's a machine. So, so if you want, if you want to, if Everson wants to slot his name back into that, it, it, it's not going to be free. Like it's going to be, no. it's, it, it, it's tough, especially in classic right now. In, in classic, it's, it's crazy. Like the 15K classic is, is insanely deep right now with, with like, generational talents it's uh yeah some of the best skiers that ever lived really are battling it out so it's uh, yeah, but like considering the level of skiing we go 10 years past maybe 10 years past uh, from this moment i guess there was 12 or 13 15 kilometer races in a row in the world cup with a different winner yeah exactly what it is that. now now it's in classic, it's Niskanen. In skating, it's Porzunov or maybe Klebu. Yeah, or Kruger. Or Kruger. We yeah. have just three or four uh, guys who can win a 15K race. Yeah, it's crazy. That's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It, it's tough if you're off your game and you have to try and climb back. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what's really tough. So, yeah. I need like that climb. Should... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
but it looks like we should let Nat get on with his day, but, uh, and Sammy too. I really appreciate you taking the time, Sammy. It was great to see you, buddy. It was awesome to get your perspective. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, now I'm having a three-day uh, holiday, like we have uh, in Finland, this winter holiday going on. So my wife as a teacher is going to have next week uh, off the work. Uh, kids are at home. So I have uh, some days to spend. Okay, there is Drummond coming. There is Holmenkollen coming on the weekend, on Thursday Drummond. But still, <laughs> okay, four, four days off uh, from the work next week. That's nice. Well, enjoy your time off. I, I had, uh, our whole house had COVID last week. So oh, that's bad. Uh, yeah, that's bad. We, we got off light. It was like, it was just a cold for all of us, but either way we, okay. so, so we were, we were isolated for a week here and, um, we're all back in action. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm studying right now in, in Oslo. So, um, uh, okay. yeah, I'm studying medicine. So taking a week off from school is not a good thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going to be, uh, I'm going to have the opposite week of you, Sammy. I like, I'm not going to have any days off tomorrow and I'm going to like, Tomorrow, hit the books and it's going to be uh, big days to try and catch back up. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back. 